God is on the throne and he's ever living for us. This morning, um, our, theme, our theme this year has been New Life in Zion, which simply means as we're heading uh, into our futures, what God has for us, there's always new life available in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. He said, I've come that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. You can have it to the full. Jesus is our life. We've sung, sing, we have sung about it. We have been singing about that. And that continued life in Jesus is ours every single day. Have you opened up your heart to Christ? So this morning I said um, earlier when I read a scripture, I want to turn our eyes and attention on the Lord Jesus in these days, to know him, to hear his voice and follow him. But this morning, I'm, gonna, I'm going to start one direction. I'm going to go another direction. It'll, hopefully, it'll all tie back together. But I want to give you warning this morning. I want to give you a way to lift up your eyes uh, to see what God has. But in the whole matter of hearing God speak, and I want to give you some instruction or some concern about living in a world that's full of deception, things that are giving out, uh, people are giving out things that aren't for God. You see, for the past number of weeks, maybe a couple months now, we've been looking at the matter of hearing God. You see, we know how to talk to God really well. We can pray, and we get to the end of that prayer, we say, amen, get up and go. It's sort of the end of the, the prayer, we can eat, the end of the prayer, I can leave. And we never stop to listen to what God has to say. Throughout the Bible, God has always been speaking to people. And he wants to speak to the us, and we need to have ears to hear. So we've been talking a lot about that, what it means to have a, a hearing ear, but also to have a pure heart. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear me. So there is this matter of being forgiven of our sin, washed clean, but not harboring anything in us that's going to pr prohibit us from hearing God. Now, last week we talked about some of the potholes or things that get in the way of us hearing God. And I gave you a list of about 10 items. Let me quickly review them. There will be a quiz in a matter of moments. Take out your paper. And, no, I won't, I won't make you do that. But uh, the first one, a pothole to look for, is we live in a world that's hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Hurry up, I'm busy. So when we talk to God and listen, he said, you better get talking because uh, I, I don't have time to listen. So we have that matter of not listening to God because we are busy people and we live with that and that's our excuse. I'd like to listen, but I don't have time is the attitude we've got to watch for. The second one is external distractions, things distracting us all the time. And there is that. And we talked about not recognizing God's voice. Sometimes when God speaks, we don't recognize it. Is, was that me, my mind, other? Where, where did that come from? And we need to learn. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So there's a principle in scripture of recognizing God's voice. And it's our place to learn how God speaks. And then the, uh, it's our own mindset. Sometimes we say, I can only hear God between this hour and this hour, this time, in this room, and whatever. And so we don't expect to hear God throughout the week or throughout our life. And one of the examples that I gave to you was the fact of the prophet Balaam in the Older Testament. When he was saying, a king came to him, he said, 
I want you to prophesy a curse on Israel. He said, I can only give you what God says. But, and so he gave a blessing. The guy's mad. This goes on three or four times. Finally, Balaam is walking, riding his donkey out to another place, and he comes to a very narrow spot, and he, the donkey is banging his legs onto each side of the path, and the bushes and stuff, and he starts beating, and then he doesn't move at all, and he starts beating that donkey. He said, donkey, got to get moved. And the donkey turns up to, this actually happened, by the way. This is not a fairy tale. It's in the Bible. It's an event that happens. The donkey turned to Balaam and said, what are you beating me for? And Balaam answered him, well, because you're not going where I want you to go. He said, well, don't beat me. There's a big angel at the end of this thing, and I don't want to run into him. And the angel starts talking to Balaam, and Balaam talks to the angel. So he didn't expect to have his donkey <laughs> talk to him. But it was God speaking to Balaam, said, where are you going? You shouldn't be going this way. Some of you are looking at me like that is a mystery. I'm telling you, the Bible says it. It happened. You ought to read about it. Because there are times when we hear people speak to us. We, we're not expecting it, but it's really the word of the Lord to us. Sometimes it, men, it might be your wife. Or wives, it could be your husband. Imagine that, that he has something to tell you from God. Wouldn't that be a surprise? What, what, what I often get into, however, in marriage uh, counseling or premarital, is that we don't listen to each other as husbands and wives. We don't talk to each other. That's not good. We need to communicate. There's a whole matter of communication. But here's the issue about listening to God. We need to allow God to speak to us in multiple ways throughout the week, throughout the time. And then you said, well, I didn't know that. Maybe you don't ride with your seatbelt on. Uh, not saying that you are all lawbreakers, but you probably, some of you might be. I'm not, I'm not t naming names yet. But anyway, uh, anyway, but one day you said, I better put that on. You put it on, five minutes down the road, you get hit by a, a, another car, you're in a wreck. And had you not had your seatbelt on, now where did that come from? Was this your idea? Maybe God says, you better put your seatbelt on. Okay, I don't want to go there, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Learning to listen to God from a variety of places, don't depend on your own mindset of eliminating. Number five is we try too hard. Sometimes we just say, oh, I'm God, I got to hear you, got it. And we don't know the principle of waiting on the Lord. Number six is presumption. We presume to know what God wants us to do, so we, well, he wouldn't want me to do that. Uh, number seven is working. It worked for you. It ought to work for me. And that's not generally how God works. God speaks to me. God speaks to you. He might tell you to do something, and you better do it. That's blessing. Talks to me. I better do it. That's blessing. But I can't demand on you, and you can't look to me for all those answers. It comes from your relationship with the living God. Can I go any faster than this? Okay, uh, Four more. I know my own strength. I don't need to talk to God. I don't. I know my own strength right along with that. I know what I can do. I have talents. Why would I ask God about this? I know I've got talents. I have the knowledge. I, have, I know what I should do, and I trust my own feelings. All those things, those four I just gave you about strength, talent, uh, feelings, and knowledge, talents, knowledge, all about me, and I don't need God. Those kind of things are going to hinder you from hearing the voice of God through the word of God and through his life. There are areas that can trip us up. Watch out for those. All right, that was last week's. But what about the matter of listening to others? What is it about uh, an, an author that you really like? He writes in a book, and you read that book, and you say, wow, 
This is exactly what I need. That preacher, I listen to that preacher. He's really good. I think that I want to listen to what he says. Or even a prophet who gives a word about something that could happen or might happen or is going to happen. We've got, we can be tripped up by that because of deception. We must have a clear view of who Jesus really is and a knowledge of the word of God in order to know the truth and discern what is going on without being deceived. It's critical today that you know the truth of the word of God. What God says is true and align all this other stuff with his word. If it's not in his word, that's not of him. Be careful. Now, even today, there are stores uh, in Hartville area. The last year, I've seen it through the Hartville News, the reports, the police reports. There have been counterfeit bills being passed at this address, this address, and this address. Be alert and be aware of counterfeit bills that are being passed, even in Hartville, maybe where you live. It's the same. Used to think, well, they can't get away with that. It's too critical. I mean, it's too hard to counterfeit, but they're still trying to do it, counterfeit money. In the past, I have always read that in order to teach a teller how to recognize at a bank, how to recognize counterfeit money, is that they only gave them real money to practice with, determine real practice. I mean, I know the touch, I know the feeling, I know what that dollar feels like, and they could recognize it. Today, they have that little marker. Ever notice that? Give them a 20, they take out the pin, mark it over. If it doesn't come up, if it comes up another color, you're going to jail. Or we're going to have a discussion. Where did you get the 20, right? Have you experienced that or am I talking to nobody? Y'all, how many, okay. What they did and decided is if, if they only introduced someone with the counterfeits, they would never get a hold of the real because there's too many different varieties of counterfeits. You, uh, they're always trying another tactic. They're always trying to do something. Now, I'm coming to truth now and deception. If you, you need to know what the real is, the real Jesus, the real word of God, so that when the deceptions come flying in, you're not deceived by that and follow that. With the word of God, you can detect it. You listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. We live in a time of great deception. People denying the word of God. And we're warned in Scripture to be aware of that fact. Let's, let's open our Bibles now. Go to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. I'm going to give you four or five quick verses here. 1 John, chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John, chapter 4, and verse 1. It's pretty clear. The Apostle John, the writer of this book, his first letter here, 1 John, chapter 1, said, Dear friends... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear friends, are from God and have overcome them because the one in you who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. They're from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We're from God and whoever knows God listens to us. 
And whoever is not of God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. He said, test the spirit. Be aware that you need to be on guard about these things and not just swallow it, but test it out to see if it's true. You see, the Apostle John, as he wrote, he was the one of the disciples of Jesus that is called the one that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. He was one of the three, Peter, James, and John, who are always close to Jesus, but John was a little bit closer than the others. He was the one that on the cross, Jesus said to John and his mother, he said, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. He handed off the authority of his life to to mom and to John. And John took care of Jesus' mother on the cross. And from then on, John was one who knew the Lord Jesus probably as well as anybody of all the disciples and followers of Jesus. And he's the one that says, listen, I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you can be deceived by who Jesus is. So you have got to know him. Turn over just a page to the book of Revelation. It's just a page. We're going to come back to 1 John here in just a moment. Uh, No, we're not. We're going to go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. John is the author of Revelation, and he saw visions of Jesus and visions of God. And look at what he says about Jesus. Verse 12. He said, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing water. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sword, a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he said, don't be afraid, John. I was, I'm the living one. I was dead, and look, I'm alive forever and ever. Now, John says, be warned. The, Je- the Lord Jesus Christ is bigger than you think he is. He's, big, he's bigger and greater than you ever imagined. But I'm telling you that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And you need to pay attention and know him. Be careful of what you're hearing. Be warned. Go to 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he warned him. Now these are the scriptures I'm giving you. 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says it two or three times. Chapter 2. He said I want you to be aware that what's going on. Um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14. He said keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words that has no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who had departed from the truth. They say the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those that are his and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. He said, be careful 
because false teaching will come and they will even turn you away from the truth. Turn to chapter 4, just over the page. Look at verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. He said, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardness, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Be warned. He said, there are going to come those that all they're going to give you is what's going to tickle your ears and make you feel good. They're not going to focus on the truth of what's happening and what's going on. So be warned. Now, again, Paul writes not only to Timothy, but to a church in Corinth, the city of Corinth. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is just another warning. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writing to this church, 11, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. For such, are, such people, he describes them, are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness, therein will be what their actions deserve. Now, I think you're picking up the truth in the word of God about being careful about those who are teaching and those what you're hearing around you. One more, go to Jesus' word in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If you can't keep up with me, just write them down and you go back and check it out. Make sure what I'm saying you can read for yourself. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said. Now Jesus is telling to us and his disciples, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everybody who says to me, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, I just run over these scriptures and I pray that you're going to grab and hold that the Spirit is just pointing these out to you about the seriousness of listening and hearing what's going on and being careful about where we're getting the stuff. I've been giving you, in these last weeks, the blessing of hearing God. The absolute importance of hearing God's voice and walking in what God says in relationship with Him. But we must be careful about who or what we listen to. And I'm not, this is no false humility about that. Be careful of what you hear from me. Check it out. If I'm going off someplace, please come and ask me about it. Because I don't want to lead anyone astray. I want to be totally uh, 
adhering to the word of God. But be careful who you're listening to. Because all false prophets and deceiving workers will tell you these words. I heard this from God. This is the word of God for you right now. This is what I saw in my vision, and I'm bringing it right down from God to you. That's the words they use, and they all imply, well, I've been listening to God. So I've been talking about the role of a believer listening and hearing out of a relationship with God according to his word. But now you're hearing people say, this is the word of God, that's the word of God, and I want to share the two. But these things are often just fabrications. They're not aligned with the word of God. And I think the tragedy, which I'm bringing this up for us this morning, is that these individuals, these ministries have followers who listen to them. They buy their books and send them their money. Multiple people. Just recently, I was exposed to some of these prophets. And I'm going to tell you some of the things they say. And you're going to say, well, Jim, of course that's the most stupid thing I ever heard. But people believe that they're hearing from God. One individual gets up in front of their people and said, I have a vision from heaven. It's mountains of jello. And cows are riding on horses. And the children are riding T-Rexes in heaven. And their followers say, wow, I can't wait to go to heaven. Will anyone stand up and say, that's absurd. God sits on his throne in heaven, rules over the, his universe, and it's not going to be a bunch of cherry jello or orange jello like you like. But they have followers, thousands of them here in our country. Don't look them up. I don't want you to hear them. I don't want you to see them. I'm listening to what they say. I saw their quotes. And they sound so pious. Oh, I just went to heaven. I just saw God. I heard another one right after that. They said, oh, and I went to heaven. I saw God. And he was in this big, solid cube of a box. And this box was filled with God. And he's sitting on his throne. And he's in this box. And there's a gelatin-like surface that coats it because inside is God. And he's all power. And he's all energy. And the thing that I saw in heaven was that if God would take down those walls, he would annihilate us. His power would go out. And there would be no universe. There would be no people because God can't control himself. That's insane. The God of creation comes and walks amongst us and loves us. And he is all-powerful. And he is omnipotent. And he is everywhere present. And he knows your name and he loves you. He's not in some box sliding with gelatin around it. But people follow this stuff because the guy sounds cool. He just has a guitar and he said, and I saw God. He didn't see God. I don't know, maybe he saw a God somewhere, but he didn't see your God, not the God of the Bible. But believe me, I gave you some crazy stuff they give, but they never get to the crazy without leading you down their path of giving you a little bit of a lie, a little bit of a lie, a little bit of a lie, until you're sucked in to the false prophets. Now, you're thinking, well, we live in Suffield, there's a... Listen, you live in the world of the internet, the WWW, World Wide Web. It's everywhere. And I admonish you, please don't go home and check me out on that. I don't want you to see it. If you want to see me afterwards, I can give you a website. Because it's them speaking. Absolutely false. 
I desire you and me to know the truth, to be able to see Jesus as he is, to know who he is. I heard someone say, and I've quoted this already this morning, some people will acknowledge that Jesus has the eminence. The eminence, eminence is a word that means superiority. But very few will give Jesus the preeminence, which says he is above all that. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. I read in Colossians, and this is the place where I was going to go to Colossians to read it. I've already read it for you, where he is the head of everything. He's the Lord of all. He's creator, God. He's the first. He's the most important. He is the highest in honor and exaltation. He is the head. He's the beginning. Colossians chapter 1. Go to Colossians. I'm going to start something this morning that I'm going to continue in the next weeks, and that is a study of the book of Colossians. I read this morning out of the book of Colossians, verse 15, and I'll just read that verse again. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I can't stop there. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things. In him all things hold together, and he's the head of the body of the church, the beginning of firstborn. I could go on, and we'll get to that in a study in a few weeks. But this book was written to a church, maybe just like ours. A group of people gathered together to worship God. We're going to hear about how they responded to God and how Paul writes to them to give them warnings, to give them something. Colossae is the name of the town, Colossae. It is a city that is about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Now, those of you who are acquainted with your Bible know the book of Ephesians, the church at Ephesus a very important city in the gospel stories and the, and the letters and the, and the going on of the gospel to the ends of the earth. But Ephesians was a place that Paul was for three years. His third missionary journey, he went out and he stayed with them and taught them the word of God, taught them and taught them. Well, if you go 100 miles east on the Lycus River, you're going to find a collection of three little cities. One of those is probably more familiar to you. It's called Laodicea. It's a city that's spoken of in the book of Revelation. The other one was Hierapolis, which is, is right in that region, and Colossae. Now, if you, you have the book of Colossians in front of you, now here's a side. I encourage all of us to read it. It's a short book, four chapters. You can read it. And keep reading it over and over again as we go through it so you can grab hold of the wondrous truths of the Word of God. Now, Colossians 1, verse 2, to God's holy people in Colossae. That identifies who he's writing to, the people in the city of Colossae. Chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have, and for all who have not met me personally. So Paul's writing to a group of people that didn't see him. Maybe they've never even met him before. He said that. Maybe you don't even know who I am. Go to chapter 4, and if you begin, look down at verse 13. Um, 
uh, he's writing about Epaphras, and we'll talk about him as we go along. He said, I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea, Hierapolis, and our dear friend Luke, the doctor, Demas, send greetings to you, to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea, to Nipping the church in his house. After this letter has been read to you, church in Colossae, see to it that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. In other words, Paul said, I'm going to write to you churches. I'm going to give you this letter. You're going to share it with them. They're going to share their letter with you. Now, these cities, if you go from Laodicea and you go down the river, they're on the riverbed of the Lycus River, and it's in modern-day uh, Turkey. But if you go down from Laodicea, you go down about eight or nine miles uh, further east down the river, you find the town of Colossae. Now, you come back to Laodicea, go over the, over the river on the other side, up on the hillside was Hierapolis. It is a, another city that's there. And this triad of cities is who uh, this gospel is give, getting to. Now, what's interesting about that, I mean, that's like uh, here in Suffield up to Brimfield, five miles. Maybe, maybe not quite to Outwater, ten miles over that way, uh, Randolph and that, well, that way. So well, they weren't very far apart. So when he writes to one, they're going to talk to each other and give each other, you know, the letters that Paul is writing. Over history, the town of Laodicea was a political center. Of that region, it became where the politics were run. The government was out of that town of Laodicea. It was a very influential city, very rich, and very independent. In fact, it was known or had the, the not the good fortune of being a place where there are a multiple of earthquakes and history says several times their towns were destroyed by the earthquakes and them by themselves, never getting help from Rome or anyone else, rebuilt their cities. So it was a political center. Across the river and up through another valley, you can see it on a map, you can see where it goes up past Lycus River up, it became Hierapolis, became a trade center. And it was famous for their hot springs, a tourist place. People go there for the hot springs. And poor little Colossi down here, about nine miles down river, um, they had cold water, it wasn't hot springs, but it was a struggling town. There wasn't much going on in town. But Paul wrote a letter to this town. And in this letter, he's going to exalt the Lord Jesus. He's going to tell them how to, to walk out the truth of the Lord Jesus. He's going to talk about how we should live and how should we relate to one another. But he builds his story to them or his words to them in the fact that I need you to know Jesus. Now, where is Paul when he writes this letter? Paul's up in Rome in prison. Colossians is one of the four letters that Paul wrote, the apostle Paul wrote from prison. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And this was one of them. This was one of the cities. And as someone said, it's the most important book to one, to one of maybe the most unimportant cities that Paul ever wrote to. It was just this little city. There it was. But this book will help you and help me to grab hold of truth about who our God is, who the Lord Jesus is, in order to withstand the deceptions that are going around in the world. I, I look back to, over all my years of preaching, and I have all my secretaries that I've had know this. I asked them to write down all the scriptures I've ever used in a sermon. I look back at the, that list of sermons or scriptures, and I'm ashamed to say, 
of the book of Colossians, I've only you spoke out of two chapters, chapter one a little bit and chapter three a little bit. So we're going to go through it now. And Paul gives greetings, and then he gives thanks for the people. So look at verse one, and I'm going to set us up for the weeks to come. Paul, the apostle, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the, faith, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and your translation may add this one, NIV doesn't, but it's in the footnotes, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this greeting, it's not, uh, hi folks, I'm Paul, I hope everybody's doing well. This is spirit-anointed words. Holy men of old spoke as, as God gave them voice. God gave them to write down. So the Holy Spirit is guiding Paul's hand to write. And he said, I'm Paul. Maybe you've heard of me. I'm one of the apostles of Christ Jesus. This is who I am. Some of them would know his story. Some would know about who he is and, and, and his testimony. I'm here because of what Jesus did in my life. I'm here because I met him on the road to Damascus and, and I was confronted by him and I gave him my life. And Paul would write, and they would know this maybe by teachings that would come to them. And he said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. His life was wrapped up about the will of God in his life. So the authority that he has, that he speaks to them, he said, this is where I'm coming from. I am here by the Lord Jesus Christ and why, what God willed for me to do. He's giving his authority to say it was the will of God that I am speaking to you and teaching. People knew who he was. They probably heard the story. We're going to talk a little bit about his time in Ephesus, but if you go down to verse 7 of chapter 1, you, uh, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love and the Spirit. He said, so Epaphras, most people think Epaphras was with him in Ephesus, and he came back to his hometown, Philemon refers to that, he comes back to his hometown, and he tells them about Jesus. But Paul's listening and he said, I'm seeing what's happening. I'm seeing this. And he writes, and Timothy's with me. He's our brother. Timothy was a co-worker to Paul. He was one that came along. Many people said he was the secretary. He, Paul spoke, he wrote it down, and maybe he copied it. He wrote this letter to this church because he was with Paul in, when they're writing this letter. And he said, I'm here. This is who we are. And Timothy is one of our brothers. Now, here's what's interesting. He identifies the letter to who he's writing. He didn't send it to the mayor of this city of Colossae. He didn't send it to the chief of police or the, uh, the banker in town or the, the shepherds or anything. He said, I am writing to God's saints, God's holy people, God's set-apart ones, <coughs> the ones who have given their lives to Jesus. They're they're filled with the Spirit. They're faithful here. They're Spirit-filled. They're in Christ. And I'm writing to you. And you're, you're a family, brothers and sisters. So as I write to you, I want you to be aware of that. This is the group I'm talking to. 
It wouldn't be something that he would address to the township trustees. He would address it to his church. We're part of the body of Christ, so it could be addressed to your church at Suffield. This is who you are. Holy people, set apart. You're in Jesus. You've made a relationship with him. Now, he then says to them, you're in Christ. This is who I'm writing to. He gives them what we pass over when he says, grace and, be to, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's there. He said, I want you to know that. Grace and peace. I have a friend of mine who uh, reads these words, grace and peace, and many of Paul's letters are like that, grace and peace to you. So he greets his congregation, grace and peace to you, right here. But that's just not a cliche to open up a service or say something, grace and peace be upon you. He is giving them the, the source of your blessing, the source of your relationship. It is all about God's grace and all about his peace that is in the Father and the Son. It's to you. It is to you. From God the Father, a relationship with him. God has something for them. And he said, I'm telling you, you need God's grace and you need his peace. And that's where I'm addressing this because you need what God has for you on this day. I want to go ahead and do this for the next four hours, but I'm not going to. And everybody said amen to that. Don't do that, Jim. But here's where I am. And I'm re I feel really strongly about this because I've been asking, God, where do you want us to go? What do, what do you want to say to us? How are we going to find new life in you? How are we going to walk in that? As we learn to listen to you, what do we have to be aware of? I want to warn you that there are things out there, things out there that are straight up lies concerning Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Every day you're hearing people say, well, the God didn't mean that. The Bible doesn't say that. It's not there. I heard a guy say the other day, he said, um, when anybody asked him, can a man have a baby? He said, I don't even answer that. It's a foolish question. It is a stupid question. It's impossible. Why? Because God says male and female created he them. You don't need to answer every question that's out there. You don't have to buy into all this stuff. You stand on what God said. He's creator. Male and female, he created them. That's who we are, and that's how we function. We don't have to answer every question that's thrown at us. Why? Because the Proverbs says a, you don't answer a fool according to their folly. That's stupid. The Bible says Jesus is the creator of all things, and I look to him, and he made me, and he made you, and that's who we are. The rest of this stuff gets all messed up with sin and all kinds of other stuff. But I'm telling you, you've got to know who God is. This book is going to help you. These scriptures we're going to look at are going to help you to see that in a fresh way and a fresh light. Be warned. Take everything you hear and align it up with, align it with the word of God. Test it. Try it. Paul has something for a church. He has something for us. God has something for every one of you this morning. You've come and you say, why am I here this morning? He brought you here that he might show himself to you. The first song we sang was our God is an awesome God. That's true. He is Jehovah, God of all creation. He's our provider. He knows everything. We can sing about that. We have heard that he's my deliverer. We overcome. And I give him first place in my life.
How about you? Where are you? Line yourself. Ask the Lord just to sharpen your senses. So not everybody who says, I heard from God, heard from God. Be careful to line it. Worship team, if you would come. And I want you this morning as we close, would you stand with us? As we close this morning, would you give thanks to God? Thank him for revealing and sending his son. Thank him for his work in your life. Bow your heads with me as they come and prepare. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to guide us into truth. I pray, Lord, that every one of us might know you. We might know you, Lord Jesus, your love, your grace, your mercy, and the fact that you're an awesome God. So, Lord, this morning, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear truth, and not be bought up or caught up in some crazy thing, but hold true to the word of God. And this morning, all we want to do, and Paul's going to say to his church, Lord, and we can read about it, he gave thanks for them because of how they responded. But this morning, we give you thanks with a grateful heart. Let's do that this morning as we close. Give